Culture Inc. Foul Play with a new host, Damon the Gobbler Anderson. This is going to be a little bit weird episode, you know, seeing that I'm going to be the host today, but we're having a new uh, new little debate run, and uh, this is going to be an interesting foul play, for sure, because, you know, as as you know, that the co-host, uh, well, the host, the hostess with the mostest, Ian, is actually going to be a part of this one tonight. You know, normally he's the one who's moderating all this and running all this, but Today he decided to take a break and uh, jump in the game, and it's going to be strange, and you know, if I mess up, forgive me now, I probably will. I actually, I will, definitely. So, uh, we're going we're gonna to get these intros started, and but first we're going to have a little uh, word from our sponsor here. Anchor. Anchor. Anchor is the sponsor for today. Hello. Now, introducing our first competitor... That would be George Soul Phoenix Knob Singer. So, George, uh, I know this is your first time doing this, and what a way to start. So, uh, what do you think? Are you excited? Be gentle, I'm new. <laughs> I don't make guarantees. Now, for our second competitor, you know him, you love him, Ian Gallo Loco Novak. Guys, I know this is very different and new for the rest of us. Thank you, Damon, for taking on hosting for the first time. Of course. I don't want to have this responsibility of always telling people, you're wrong. <laughs> now you get that responsibility. <laughs> it's okay. I like being the bad guy. But even though it's his first... Why am I here? <laughs> <laughs> even though it's his first time, I'm still kind of scared of George, actually. I think he's going to be a good competitor. <laughs> you bullshit well. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of my specialty. So, uh, Damon, how was it basically trying to come up with the questions? Because I know mine was fairly not that easy. <laughs> yeah, mine was actually, it was easier than I thought it was going to be, but it was still pretty difficult because I wanted to make questions that, one, were 
not necessarily challenging, but one you could bring in and it had multiple answers. You weren't stuck with like, okay, like, what's the best such and such? Well, if it's this uh, relatively, you know, known opinion, mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to question where everyone's going to have the same opinion. So I tried to keep it free and open and give questions that were easy to choose, but yeah. also just had multiple answers. And I mean, I, I, I don't want to sound like this, but you're also getting a little bit of an easier job that you only have to critique two people. Yes. I was yes. having to do that with three. Yeah. So It's really only one person here. <laughs> you say that, but... Oh. George wins. <laughs> that was a good episode. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, George, uh, I know we've gotten to know you at work and stuff, so how are you feeling about doing this? Because I, I, you know I've been trying to also get you to be a part of this sometime. I feel I will probably crash a few things, some things will probably fall apart, and then, yeah, things just don't usually go well if I'm involved. Well... <laughs> Uh, on that note Damon you ready to get this started oh I guess as ready as I can be I mean there's not really much you're the host I'd hope you're at least somewhat more prepared than I you are sadly mistaken (laughs) well I guess on that note get to the first one okay now we are going to finally get started with our first question Man, it's really tripping me out looking at so many Nicolas Cages. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't see it, but I have every Nicolas Cage movie down here. Just about. There's a good portion of them. Well, but, I figure we all love Nicolas Cage, so... Yeah. So, we're going to get started with today's first question, and it's a, it's a big one. It's a heavy hitter. It's a very sad one. Oh, jeez. And that is the best Stanley cameo. Now, Stanley. Just about everybody loves him, from what I can understand. Especially if you're a comic book fan, yeah. You know, he's basically God in your eyes. Well, we decided to go through his, every single one of his cameos in his movies and decide which one was the best. Now, since you are the guest, George, I would usually let you have it first, but <laughs> since we like to roll, our host actually got first... First well, roll on this one. The the creator and host of the whole thing, but you're the host today, David. Yes, yes. I am the host today. I, I have no poll as much as my answer and my reasoning. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So, now that I know that that's the first one, like you mentioned, he, you know, ever since Marvel started making movies, he was pretty much made in contract that he had to appear yeah. in mostly, if not all of them. It may range from, you know, him just standing there or maybe having a line or two or something. Uh, and it was very difficult because I was really leaning towards two. But the one that I'm actually going to go with, and it's actually fairly recent, uh, and that's Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Okay. Yes, and it's animated because, to me, and it involves uh, him being like the owner of a shop selling Spider-Man costumes because they're, you know, like morning Spider-Man at this point yeah, in the yeah. film. Uh, with the future Miles Morales wanting to buy said Spider-Man suit from him 
and he says basically something very uplifting to him. But then Miles looks over and it shows a sign saying, No refunds! <laughs> and I think what I feel best capitalizes uh, Stan Lee with this is, number one, it involves Spider-Man, who's like his... Bread and butter, yeah. It's his baby. Uh, and why I started to lean more towards this also is because I feel like, yeah, but it's animated. I feel like as a comic book person and to be immortalized in animation might be like the top tier part for them to feel like. So I feel like this is the best way to honor him. And that is why I'm going with Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse to be his best cameo. Okay. Now, that's a good one. That's, that's a very good one. I actually had to rewatch the film to see it because I didn't get to see it the first time mm-hmm. going this first time around. But, George... Yes, I'm here. <laughs> now uh, now for your answer for Best Stanley Cameo. Well, since we're going to go with movies, I will reciprocate the whole animated theme here. I actually like to say <clears throat> uh, Big Hero 6 on this one. Mainly because it's like, you, he doesn't really have any sort of cameo until the very end. And he kind of gets revealed as being one of the characters' um, father in that and. He's also a superhero as well in that, who kind of, like, helps spur things along, I guess, but he's not really ever there. Okay. That's not a a bad choice. Honestly, that's actually one that I was not expecting, so... Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, and yeah, again, it's been a while, so I've even forgotten that he even makes a cameo. Yeah, I think he either makes a cameo at, like, Right after it like turns to the credits, or it, at the very like last two three minutes of the movie, it's like a post. Yeah, yeah, that's that's an inter- I I'll give you that one. That's an interesting choice because normally you know, I also didn't like look into it too much. So when I actually did see the movie, I was like, oh, I didn't know Stanley had anything to do with this. Yeah, so I didn't like look at producers or anything. I just saw the movie. Yeah, okay. It was a pleasant surprise. Okay, now we're gonna have a little <laughs> little back and forth and. uh little arguing points. That's kind of an interesting. You guys are both going with animation, so it may be a lot more different. Because part of my argument there would be it's immortalizing him in animation. Yeah, that was one of the big hitters. Okay, well, here's one thing. Uh, I feel like maybe, like I just mentioned, number of people probably aren't remembering that he's in Big Hero 6. Because, like we said, it's a post-credit sequence. It's not happening during the movie. So... And I know maybe there are some people that, some reason, don't want to stay till past the credit sequence, even though Marvel tells you to. Yeah. At least in mine, you see him in the actual film, and he adds something of substance with the character itself. Okay. That's just what I feel. I don't, I don't feel like you get that same contact with Big Hero 6, because unless you see him at the post-credits, you don't know, even know he's in there. Okay. And George? Stanley makes a joke about boxers. Front to back, inside and out. You can wear boxers for four days straight. <laughs> See, that's the thing. I really <laughs> forgot about that. Uh, but is that more... Be- well, shit. I mean, you were just laughing about it. <laughs> uh, Damon, I might throw this first question in. <laughs> 
I'm just here to be an agent of chaos. Jeez. <laughs> okay, that's... The, uh... the, the tougher part is that I can't even remember exactly what he said in Spider-Verse, so... <laughs> okay, well, then I guess the first point goes to George. <laughs> Look at that, you just took the first point with only, like, the fewest words said. I'm helping. <laughs> okay, well, that's... That would be question number one. You might have to write in blood. <laughs> I don't think things coming out. There we go. You need time for pain? I got a few. Oh, I got plenty. Good ones, too. Very healthy ones. It'll work. So, uh, the first one went to George. Very, who knew? I, I, see, George, and the thing is, you could have thrown some very good points that yours was a little bit different than, you know, the comparing to other scenes in Marvel films. Like, he's always right in the middle, usually. At some point, he just pops up, does his little cameo thing, being sweet and, you know, sweet and loving, and goes off stage, you know, exit stage right, whereas yours, like, I mean, he just kind of pops up, and I would feel more of, okay, he's a little bit, like, he is immortalized in that, but I would go more with something like that, because, something like Big Hero 6, because I'm more of a, uh, I don't know, it seems like... He's just, no one really knew he was there, and it's it's more surprising than something that you may not know he was involved in, whereas most people are waiting for the Stanley cameo in most Marvel films, so that's probably something I would give uh, Big Hero for sure. Something that's not something that people are waiting, not something that people are expecting. Well, all I can say is, God, I'm looking like a great competitor throwing in the towel on the first <laughs> question. <laughs> Hey, it's a strategy. You throw in early on the first one, and then you fight like hell later on. Yes, exactly. Now, question number two. Now, we're going to be back on to question two. And this one is a question that I had to put on here, because something that is near and dear to my heart. That's food. Love food. And I decided to go with the question the best food in a film and if for you people that don't maybe not understand it what I mean is like a food within the film that may not be a specialty you know there's a lot of films that have specialty foods in them that are special to that film but no it can be just a food in a film for example birds of prey <laughs> had the egg sandwich that's that'd be one and it's not it's nothing special about it it's just an egg sandwich so this one, we're actually going to start with our guest, George. Best food in a film. <laughs> so it can be any type of film, right? Any type of film. Any type of film. Any well, type of food, any type of film. Well, I, I think I'm going to go um, probably out on a limb here again. Um, I would say probably Invader Zim, the movie. Okay. Because... In that movie, they had a plot-specific item that was literally a hamstick, which they used to completely resolve the plot line in that movie. <laughs> okay. Interesting. I only got interesting. I like this, though. Like these, You have given me two answers in a row that have just put me in utter awe <laughs> that I just am not expecting. So... Have you seen this one, though? I have not. Exactly. <laughs> have you seen this? No. Ah. Yeah, so he, he has that one down on us, but that means I could give him an advantage. It won't give me an advantage, but... Uh, now, Ian, 
Well, you know what? I was really looking at two films that I feel like that show food very well, but are also a driving point for the characters. Um, I actually could throw in a third one that I was leaning towards. uh, So I was kind of thinking like Julia and Julia, very centered around food. Also, I was kind of leaning towards Chef. Yeah? Because, whoo, there's a lot of good looking food in there. Yeah, tons of food in there. But... I've decided now to go with what I believe is probably best-looking food that also helps the story and the characters, and that's ratatouille. Okay. Specifically, even the ratatouille dish, because... So, to, ratatouille from ratatouille. <laughs> okay. Because, number one, it just looks amazing, even with the fact that it's animation. It looks almost just like... A realistic way you can make ratatouille. In fact, we've seen people make ratatouille like this. Yes, I actually have and, had ratatouille before, and it is delicious. And it also just combines the personality with the actual uh, characters, and the fact that all this like surrounds it almost, and the fact that the, a restaurant is down known for basically the dish at the end. So that's why I'm going with ratatouille. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Again, two ones that actually I could I would expect ratatouille a little bit more, but okay. So now we're gonna get to the real meat and potatoes of this, and that'd be arguing points of why these are the best dishes for the film. Well, again, George is kind of leaving me in the blank here because I'm like, yeah, I know of Invader Zim. I've never seen the movie. But I'm gonna I'm gonna raise the question: Have you seen Ratatouille, though? Yeah, I've seen Ratatouille. Yeah, because most people have, and I think that gives an advantage that they would know more about the Ratatouille dish than yours. And the fact that this is also centered around Remy, who also his story is showing that anybody with the drive and passion can cook, and oh. the fact that all this then is put into one dish. And that dish makes the most cynical person at the table appreciate and love food and the restaurant itself. And we'll guarantee that it is a rat, even if it makes it. Okay. George, you got any counterpoints with that? Well, I think there have been a lot of people who have watched Invader Zim, and the ham is a recurring theme in Invader Zim, and it also proves that even in its own insanity, that any food if you try, can be a weapon. Yeah, but you're using food as a weapon. Is it a motivation to build character, though? Well, I'll go even further into specifics of the movie. They literally stop the movie for, like, ten seconds and tell you, remember this leg of ham. It's very important to the clinical plot of this movie. And then it shows up later. As a bludgeoning weapon that stops Zen. Okay. But the, so yours is based around that it uses it to fix stuff? Well, like it fixes it a problem. Fixes a problem. And is that, but it, does that involve it destroying said thing? I don't think anyone could technically stop Invader <laughs> for long. Because at the very least, this at least for mine, it changes somebody's perspective. To being a bit more open and not... Well, the invaders also in that show also get resolved and basically sent to an alternate dimension. 
or wormhole of infinite dimensions or some sort of thing. There's some science. So basically they're kind of punished in a way? Well, the people above Zim are punished. Zim, you could, Zim is still Zim. Because then you could also say that, yeah, he accepts it even though he then later on loses his rights to be a critic on the paper and instead he just becomes a, what is it, a financer of the restaurant later. So he even loses, but he gained the personal feelings on that this rat could make this dish so good. Okay. Well, hearing these two arguments, both actually very solid arguments on why, you know, the food. And for me, food food is one of those things that it's just, there's so much love and passion behind it. For the most part. There's by some the, people that don't... By the way... Love. We're also eating Cheetos popcorn. I wish you would sponsor me. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, food is one of those things that, you know, you can feel it. You can feel... When you when someone makes food with love, you can feel it. You can taste it. It's, it's something beautiful. And I agree on both points. You make very good arguments for both your things. But I think I'm going to have to give this one to Ian. Just simply because it's more of... The food, that that is just, I think that's more of, this is food, but it happens to be a weapon. Whereas, that's more about the food in Ratatouille. It's more centered around said food. And it gives it, I think that gives it just a slight advantage, I would say. So, I think uh, the winner of uh, the second question, we'll go with the end. Yay, I didn't give up this time. <laughs> Honestly, there's also, what, Cloudy with a side of meatballs? Or uh, Cloudy with a chance, chance of meatballs. That's it. Yeah, this entire movie is also food. Well, yes. Yeah, I, I was just so struggling. Should I go with animation or real? Because I feel like animation could have been a point against me. But you went with an animator at the best. So like, well, that's not going to be an argument throwing it my way now. Yeah, and, and that's actually not a bad point. I, I remember that. The only an argument that I would use for Cloudy with a chance to eat ball is is the fact that they changed it so much from the book. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I remember reading that book as a child, and I loved the book. Actually, I read it like probably. I, I remember it more for the pictures. Yeah, yeah, there was really. And then really, when I saw the movie, I was like, "Why does this seem like this is not the book?" Yeah, no, it, it, like I I probably read the original like thousands of times as a kid. Like I loved it, and. But Chef was another easy answer I could have given. Yeah. And, but I only give it just more because it was more of like about the food, not necessarily like food that happened to be something else. Yeah, Zim so. uses many different foods, mainly as props or jokes or things. Yeah. It's, that sounds hilarious, though. Like, I, yeah. I think I really want to... Like, I haven't got to watch that one yet, and I have it in my list to watch, so I really and, need and to check the, it out it's now. it's the Netflix movie. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I yeah, have that. Some people are upset with the animation style because it's slightly changed to something newer, but, you know, people hate change. Oh, yeah. Well, if it's anything uh, close uh, to As he Rock said in Rocco's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. DMZ, too yeah. much change. Okay, and now it's uh, on to question three. Okay, uh, due to some technical difficulties... <laughs> What's yeah. new here? Yeah. Uh, some of this got cut off, but we'll just do what we're going to do. We'll, uh, you know, quick recap of what we, uh, already talked about. And the question, the, th- the third, uh, the third question was the best war film and why it, it matters. 
And they both gave pretty good things. Uh, Mr. Soul Phoenix decided to go with the original War of the Worlds. I don't, I don't quite remember the year. Um, I believe it was in the 50s or 60s. One of those. I want to say 50s. Yeah, I think it was 50s. Um, and Mr. Galiloco went with Hacksaw Ridge. So both pretty good films in their own right. Um, and so we're just going to go over some bullet points. You know, give, give their reasoning. They, they both were, gave pretty good arguments. So, okay. Boys, I'll let yeah. I think my, like, bullet points here were... <clears throat> I quite like the World of the Worlds. I mean, it, it basically showed that disease warfare was more or less the, the victor in that movie. Didn't have the best, you know, strongest for, like, rememberable actors. At least for me. Other people probably be like, well, <clears throat> actually, uh... But I um, then would counter it with music, because, you know... It's the soundtrack that I can remember the most from that movie completely. And that, you know... Well, it even has, like, actual orchestrals that still go around playing that soundtrack to date over in Europe, visiting from country to country. Okay. And Galileo? Yeah. So, basically, though, on my part is that... To kind of counter with that is... Yeah... But mine has more actors and characters that you remember more and care about more when you get to the actual war. Which, again, doesn't happen until halfway through. You get a glimpse of it, and then you're just given to like the harshness and the reality of war. Which, yeah, you were also talking about the soundtrack. Uh, this didn't have a memorable soundtrack, but it was up for Academy Awards for Best Sound Editing. So... There's a little bit, and the sound was really good. And this is Mel Gibson coming back to directing, and boy, that made me think I don't have to think about my personal feelings to appreciate the art. Okay, well, hearing both your arguments and uh, thinking about it, um, there was a lot of surprising digs that I didn't think would get taken, like ones that I thought were going to be taken but weren't mentioned. Uh, you could have mentioned for War of the Worlds, um, like the fact that it's based on something that's just, you know, was already good in its own right, and it kind of just took it and went with it, which would be the reading from... Oh, and mine's actually based on a real story. <laughs> yeah. It actually and happened. that, you know, that that's definitely something you could have brought up, I feel like, in the, yeah, you could have brought up that, you know, the fact that that is a actual, something that actually happened, and... You could have, there was a few things that you could have done, like, you know, you could have hit more towards the actors, about the remembering of said actors, and, you know, and you could have dug more towards, like, you, you mentioned you got good, you know, gotten good music in your film, whereas I don't remember any of the music from Max Orange at all, um, but ultimately I'm going to have to, I think, give it to Ian on this one, because he made enough, I feel like he made more points. But he did get you, I will say, he did get you on the line when you mentioned, oh, it's just kind of silly, they died of the cold, which he's, he's very correct. That's how we've always, you know, that's happened for millennia. Uh, again, looking, looking for stuff that I remember of War of the Worlds, and not that version. <laughs> <laughs> what, horrible CGI monsters and machines? <laughs> and Tom Cruise. Oh, 
That was in the, the, the remake. Of Exa well, exactly. That's what I'm saying. That's the one that I could have said yeah. more about. No, I was talking about the one from, yeah, that like early 50s. Was like so, 53. The only, so the only thing I could... Talking about George here. You, you're going to have to expect the unexpected. <laughs> well, then like he mentioned, I'm like a grandpa. I'm like, so what, am I a hipster? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wait, I do have tattoos. <laughs> now you just need to buy some flannels and a vape and you're good. I don't like flannel and I don't want to smoke. Yeah, <laughs> uh, well... Then, no for you. No soup for you. Okay. I love soup. Well, that's number three. We're going to go to uh, number four now. Okay. Now, uh, so that was the end of question number three. We are now on to question number four. And I got to admit, one of my favorite type of films is buddy cop films from the 70s. <laughs> 70s and 80s. Those were always fun. Like watching Starsky and Hutch when I was younger was awesome. And now... And now I still think it's a really fun show to watch because okay, it's just kind of goofy. And you, you get a sense, but there's not just buddy cop films. There's all types of films with, you know, duos that are just beautiful. And so I decided to go to uh, my next question, the best on-screen duo. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of people that work together a lot. You know, we brought up, we were just discussing Chris Farley and David Spade. They were in a ton of movies together. Yeah, they're a duo, but that's not what I was going for. I was going for, you know, two people on screen and their actual characters in the film and how they work together as, like, a partnership. Not necessarily marriage, dating, whatever, as, like, a a partnership. But you could pick a relationship. You could, yeah. You could. So, this one actually is started by our uh, normal host, Mr. Galiloco. Well, uh, so as I dug a little bit into this, there was, as much as I didn't really want to go as current, because now I've clearly noticed my competitor doesn't mind going not current, <laughs> <laughs> um, but there really was, this film just kept being in my head that these two are amazing together, and the whole film basically relies on them, because yeah. you have literally nobody else... I'm going with the lighthouse, Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe, okay. as two lighthouse upkeepers stranded for months on end on an island, and they go crazy. Okay. And there's a whole bunch of other metaphors, but it literally just relies on them. Yeah, that's a, that's a solid choice. Uh, you know, we went and seen it together, and yeah, no, I loved the film. Thought it was a great film. I, you know, really enjoyed their characters on screen. So. uh... Let's see what it's going to go against, George. Well, uh, <clears throat> I'm a bit indecisive here, but it's like my original choice, I would say almost any of the Fast and Furious, most of the actors just work really well together for the most part. They have lots of duels and stuff. Yeah. But, I'm going to be contrary here. Then <clears throat> you? No. No, no. Why would I be contrary? What has some really good chemistry and playing back and forth? City Slickers. Okay. Okay, well. <laughs> Again. Because what? <laughs> what the, like, the main cast, we had, what, Mitch Robinson and Curly, what? It was, um... City Slickers? Yeah, City Slickers. City Slickers. Yeah, you know, the, the story about the cow. The entire movie had about them basically escorting a cow. Yeah, Billy Crystal. Right! 
And there was a Jack Palace? Jack Palace? Jack. Jack something. <laughs> not, not, not my cat here. He was like, what? Yeah, he's here. He's down there, isn't he? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He wasn't the star, though. Ah, oh, you must have got the he money for like that one. He looks like a star one. to me. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, uh, that's two good films. Uh, yeah, who would have thought, you know, two good films with, you know, duos. Um, again, George, throwing me off with the answers. If you would have said Fast and Furious, I would have been like, okay, this is kind of a normal answer. And you, you swing it from left field again. I, I led you a little bit with that one. You did, you did. <laughs> you had me going for a minute. Um, so, Ian, mm -hmm. some valid points. Uh, well, here's the fun part. Not only has George finally picked a movie that I've seen, it's a movie I watched so much as a kid, and I love it, and I adore it. Okay. So now I'll tear it I, down. <laughs> no, no, here's the thing. I'm not tearing down the movie itself, necessarily. Uh, but, funny enough, the two that you mentioned that you were leaning towards, I almost have the same argument against all of them. Uh, because, as the question is, best duo... You can make the argument this is an ensemble performance because you have Billy Crystal, Jack Palance, Dan Dan Daniel Stern, it, and like so many other people in this that interact with each other, but it's primarily the three friends that Billy Crystal's a part of that this whole story follows with Jack Palance's character coming in okay. to basically be the guiding light that the cow is now being used as the example. Whereas literally mine, it relies on two people. You see other, you know, people that help them put the stuff up, but then they just go away. This is Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe, and the whole movie relies on them, and their performances are just off the charts because you have Willem Dafoe as this crazy, you know, former sea captain, and he's speaking in all this scurvy talk. And you have Pattinson, who's just like this chain that's just getting rattled too much and he's about to explode on him and then it almost does become a relationship because that's all they have is each other and it's literally mostly about them and when i feel i hear best duo it's two people together on screen and that's basically all you have in this film okay whereas city slickers there's multiple people okay george you have uh some weighing in <laughs> I'm going to go a little bit left field with mine again. Who would have guessed? Yeah. Uh, well, you say there's only, like, two characters. That'd be like, you know, that's fine. Isn't that, like, don't you want to have a bit of a cast that other players can cast off? You still have the main two, for the most part, in City Slickers. But if you want to just look at just two that are isolated, what is it? Gravity? You have George Clooney and uh, what is the one chick's name? Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock. There's only two people in that. Is that a duo? In the life of Pi, you literally have the kid and the tiger. <laughs> and if you want to go with like old movies like that over a duo, you could go with Black Beauty. You have the, the kid and the horse. So, you... I can see that you're saying it's just a duo because it's only the two characters playing off of each other, having a type of relationship of sorts. But... City Sickers just has more. It's got, like, more humor. It's got more people. I know it's supposed to be just a duo here, but again, they have just more personality. Yeah, 
Okay, okay. well, but I feel like, though, if you put all those together, you still are seeing them separately. And while they are parts that drive some character development in this, literally the entire film of Lighthouse revolves around these two and anything that happens to them. And it just questions you watching them. Are they going crazy? Are all these fictional things that we're seeing, like mermaids, real? What is real and what's reality? And I feel like it's a stronger, more memorable thing that you put faith in just two to just carry this entire film. Whereas you have a bit more of a safety net when it's multiple people that can be entertaining and engaging. While I still love sea slickers, I still feel like that you have to get more credit when it's actually just a duo the entire time and you're forced to sit with these people and you aren't bored and you're captivated by both of them. Well, there's other movies too that, you know, can do that as well. Like, just as honorable mentions here, you could always go with, say, like, you know, Sleeping Lines. Where you have the two uncles and the kid. Not quite a duo, but it all kind of falls apart if... It's two and a, it's two and a half men. Yeah, pretty much. The movie. But it would fall apart without the, you know, the half. Even though it's still, like, mainly focusing around the, the duo relationship of, you know, those two uncles. Yeah, I think George kind of brings a good point into that. Is although Lighthouse, yes, has you know the two guys and they are a duo that have to think. You don't necessarily. It's not a requirement. Like when him bringing up uh, the secondhand lions is a good <clears throat> good example because in that, yeah, there is the kid, but they're still a duo. The uncles are still a duo in a sense. So it's not necessarily a film about two people. It's just having, like, the side character. But you guys can continue with your... Um, I kind of just feel like that, again, I feel like with the way that this question is given, we have to mostly focus on necessarily two people together. Yeah. And, again, while there are a bit more and you still get entertainment with yours, with City Slickers, I feel like, again, that... Those are separate moments, and a lot of those moments actually are involving three people. And no, one of them is not half of a man, he's a full man. (laughs) Uh, And I think that's actually where most of the comedy and most of the story takes place, is with three men. And then you can make the argument that Curly then comes in, and that's a fourth. (laughs) Whereas again, mine is clearly just a duo from start to finish, necessarily finish, and it is just about them. It's also, I think, a bit more of an ambitious film. Not to, and I love City Slickers, but Lighthouse is a bit more of an ambitious film, in my opinion, also. Okay. Well, it's so hard because you both bring up very valid points. Um, definitely against each other, for sure, because, George, you brought up some points that I was not expecting that... It really fits well because a good point would be the fact that it doesn't necessarily, and I agree, it doesn't necessarily have to have a duo in the film to be considered a film about a duo. Like, for a good example, when I mentioned buddy cop films, so one that you kind of cringed at was Darcy and Hutch the film. 
There is some surrounding characters, but ultimately, it's Starsky and Hutch. That's, you know. Even though those aren't even the characters I remember from the yeah, movie. Yeah. So, you know, that's uh, that would be an example that I would probably give for that. It, it has films around it. Although, that you know, Lighthouse saying, you know, yeah, I feel like there's some points you could have brought up about City Slickers, which you did. You bring up a lot of actually really good points. And uh, I think you both definitely hit, hit enough marks. But, Ian, I think I'm going to have to give it to you again. Just simply because enough digs at bringing up the fact that there's some, a lot of parts that involve three people. That that was a, a really good dig for me. Um, you brought up a lot of scenes that have the three people in it. That's more of... Whereas... You can have a film that has two people that isn't, again, has more people around it, but think that was the point that I got negative against you, was mm -hmm. the fact that you're like, well, it's just two people, and I don't necessarily agree that it has to be two people, it just has to be a duo within the film. Second lines? Yeah. So, but, yeah, you, you scraped by on this one just because you brought up some enough points that brought it back. So, so let, let's just put it, we went from two questions that George gave me that I was like, what the hell do I say about this because I'm not seeing it. And then you're like, City Slickers. I'm like, oh, just the movie but I watched like that I've 20, seen. no, not just that, but 20 times as a kid that I freaking door door and love, and then I can't stand the sequel. <laughs> I didn't think I fell on the last one of these when Kevin brought up freaking uh, The Shining, and yeah. I had to argue against that. You know how bad that hurt? The, <laughs> easily, I would say the... Top four VHSs of live action movies I watched growing up were City Slickers, uh, Home Alone, Star Wars, and uh, Ghostbusters. An interesting uh, something that I just seen on the IMBD is the initial release was in South Korea. For, <laughs> for what? For City Slickers. What? Yeah, November 30th, 1991, in South Korea. Wonder how that did. <laughs> okay. I guess that was a weird test group, but we'll go with it. It's like I know for other like movies that specifically really focus around the duel, you can always go with the old one. It's not really that old. I think it was from two thousands. Was uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith? Yeah, because that was yeah. a duo film. Yeah, you you could though make the argument that it has like a lot of people now like, huh? That has some weird feelings now. Yeah. <laughs> is this a little bit of domestic abuse in here? What what is this? And then they're actually not together anymore. Yeah. <laughs> who would have thought, right? <laughs> you, know, you know, punching your wife. Who, who would have guessed that they would have left you? <clears throat> so that was question four. Um, George, we might have an issue if you get the next two right. <laughs> um, hope so you have, I hope you have something in your head for I that. I do. I do. I actually have something really good. So I'm going to hope you make some good arguments because this I'm not this making good arguments beautiful. here. I'm just saying things that might make you think. So uh, we're going to go to number five now. Now we are on to question number five. And question number five is something that I actually uh, care about. You care? Yes. Uh -oh. uh, the, the very few things that I care about. And that is when an actor can become something that they are not. When when someone it's it's almost like a beautiful lie. And 
not many actors can pull it off. You got you got a lot of actors that can are good actors. They just kind of they play the role, but you you see the actor. Example, honestly, I would <laughs> be careful. Yeah, be careful here. Okay, I I'll, I'll, I'll leave that say out. It. Yeah, but I definitely. <laughs> We're probably saying the same thing again. Honestly, definitely. It's it's hard to do. A lot of actors can't pull it off. There's honestly, I feel like only a percentage of actors that become the role to the point where you're like, yeah, this is this person, and that's why I chose this question. Okay. So the next question is, what actor slash actress became their role the best? And we're gonna start with George. Uh oh. <laughs> well, I, uh oh. I don't if, know if this if is what you're gonna. A minute. No, no, I know what I'm gonna say here. I've I, I inadvertently researched this person just because I, I know of quite a bit of what he's done for his role. Ian's probably thinking the same person here. At least this might be on your list. And that, I'd almost say when he that huge Jackman and yeah. Wolverine. Okay, nope. so we're gonna. Uh, yeah. We can actually have a discussion here. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. Make sure to say. Actor and then or actress roles. and the role. Yeah, so I'd okay, definitely so say Pete Jackman is Wolverine. That's that's a good one. I mean, he's he's Wolverine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he's what you think of as Wolverine. Like he styled himself to look even like old man Wolverine is still you know just old Hugh Jackman. So. Okay, that's a that's a good one. Like, um, <laughs> like like kind of how you mentioned uh, because. Film is technically you're watching a lie. You're watching something that is not really there. And the best types of actors and actresses usually are the ones that can basically make you forget you're watching them acting. And they've become that character. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that is a nice choice there, George. But it actually wasn't even anywhere in my top ten. (laughs) Because I was leaning towards two in particular. One, I decided... Uh, I could have gone with the more obvious one that could have automatically pleased Damon. Okay, I know what that is. Uh, which would have been Daniel Day-Lewis from Lincoln. Yeah. But I feel like he has enough credit. He's got enough credit for turning into this. I wanted to pick somebody that I felt like this is him like breaking out and actually giving something that's three-dimensional, something you wouldn't have thought of that he could do. Okay. Dr. Manhattan. Nope. <laughs> And that's James Franco from The Disaster Artist turning into Tommy Wiseau. Okay, well that's uh, one that I wasn't expecting. Okay, uh... Well... I think this is going to be a hard argument both ways, really. (laughs) Yeah, uh, that's because that's two extremely good choices. So, um... George, since you were the first one to go, I'm going to let you uh, stretch your arguments. Stretch my arguments. You've seen you've seen the room, so yeah, I've seen of, the room. I, have you seen Disaster Artist? As yeah, well? I know where okay. this is coming from for the most part. Uh, I'll, I'll try not to dig into those movies specifically and just keep arguing for my character's point. I, I like okay. to build opposed to deconstruct. Okay. Um, like for like Hugh Jackman and being you know Wolverine, uh, like even the way that they he choreographed and fought. And did all that in the movie, he basically personally developed all of that by, like, 
how would a Wolverine fight? How would it, you know, look in cinematography? And he basically just devolved into being the character and that kind of how he built himself to kind of be thought of as the character. As being, you know, his primary role of what he does. Okay. Well, I think that you could also make, though, the argument about, like, James Franco. He's coming from, he was known for Spider-Man. He was known for doing a lot of ditzy kind of roles and that look, basically looking like he's just always high. That's what anybody always took him as. And then you can choose Pineapple Express where he yeah, actually I is just, high. Yeah. So. <laughs> but th- that, that, that's all he was basically typecasted as, as just being like this bad boyish kind of thing. Okay. You look at him in the in the disaster artist playing Tommy Wiseau. He literally turns into Tommy Wiseau because he spent time with the man, figured out his mannerisms, his speech, which wherever the hell that's from. Okay. Uh, but he not only turned it into the performance character wise, he also directed the film. He literally took on the role of being the director. Of the directing of the room. Okay. <laughs> and basically just having all the same attitude. He even photo. He made a picture of the same billboard that Tommy Wiseau did for the room and put it on Hollywood Boulevard to promote it. And put Tommy Wiseau's actual number on it that you could call. <laughs> and he not only did that, he also gave a layered performance on showing, yeah, this guy might be a con artist and a dick, but he clearly is loyal to the people that he wants to be loyal to, and he has a passion for filmmaking, so that you could get behind, even though he's a pretty terrible person sometimes. But he also just is is the character when they show side-by-sides. It's kind of hard to tell them apart. Okay. George, you have anything you'll get to? It's like... I think there is some, like, liberal freedom, though, when it's, you know, a real person mimicking a real director as a director doing things in reality when, like, Hugh Jackman basically had to, like, mimic a cartoon character. He had to, like, you know, didn't have any real hard set on it beyond, like, you know, some old comics and, you know, what, a a cartoon run from, like, the 90s, wasn't Mm -hmm. it? Yeah, X-Men, though. Yeah. Yeah. Which, they had their voice actors and whatnot, which had an established voice actor for the most part for that, too. So he had to play against that and basically had to break out to be this character to more or less abscond that role from another person. Where, I guess, with um, Tommy Wiseau, it was absconding a person as a person? That's almost like identity theft, more or less. Okay, and any... I think you could also though look at as if you're looking at these two individuals like Wolverine, Tommy Wiseau. Who's the more interesting person that people are probably gonna fight for to try to interpret it? The one that has comic book lineage, that has beloved fans, and that has a proven character. Whereas people look at Tommy Wiseau at first and go, who? And then you're like, the room, here. And then you're like, oh, that's Tommy Wiseau. What? Why should I care about him? James Franco made us actually want to know more about Tommy Wiseau. And I felt like he also kind of had a lot of his blessings on how he was interpreting him, too. Because he hung around with him on set a whole lot. 
and he would say, hey, was that fine? And he'd go, yeah, that, that, that's fine, do my take. But, and I mean, if I have to dig just a little, he may be the best thing in the X-Men movies, but he's also in a lot of shitty X-Men movies. Whereas, yeah, you can make the argument that Room is technically a bad movie, but it has a gigantic cult following that has made it popular. The Disaster Artist is known as a really great piece of book fit. And The Disaster Artist was praised as a film, too. So I feel like with all that that you have to have, that kind of plays into a little bit. But I feel like still the notch is that he turns into Tommy Wiseau. Whereas I feel like Hugh Jackman kind of was born for the role. He had to turn into it. Well, yeah, but... That's a bit of a big but here. <clears throat> but we cannot lie. I know. The thing about the um, whole Tommy Wiseau thing is that it's still, you know... Tommy Wiseau fought so hard to say that his movie was good in the first place. It basically took him relinquishing and relenting against his own role before it was actually allowed to come to any sort of light and be popular. I, I think that those movie, The Room, wouldn't even have been at, well, I, using good here loosely, <clears throat> would have even been as good as it was if Tommy Wiseau really hard just tried to put a cap on that movie and saying that it was his, like, artistic piece and whatnot. It, it took... Almost like, what, eight years before it actually started, you know, pulling its way through. It, it took, you know, his, um, mock to actually pull that movie much later to recover that movie into it actually being, you know, a nice, fun film to laugh at, for the most part. Well, The Wolverine, and it's huge Jackman, wasn't, you know, the best of X-Men movies? And you said it yourself that he was born for the role... He became it. Even though they were bad movies, not all of them were bad, but he still became it. We're not talking about the quality specifically of the movie. We're talking about the mm -hmm. quality of the acting and how they became it and yeah. how you think of that person as that role. So I didn't save that till the very end. Okay, so here in both the arguments, um, you, all, you both bring up some good points. And... Listening to you guys' back and forth banter with all this, uh, I, I think I'm going to have to uh, give it to George on this one. Simply because a lot of the points, like you brought up the point with the whole movies and stuff, I don't think that's necessarily Jackman's fault that they no, were bad. I, I made it clear that that was yeah. the last etch thing for me. Yeah, and he, uh, I, I would say, like, yes, George. At the end, brought up a good point that, uh, well, towards the beginning, he brought up uh, the fact that Franco had, a, I feel like, a little bit easier, just simply because he had Tommy there, and he could be like, can you say this word? And going like a back and forth, you know, he could work it in to become him because he has him right there. Whereas I feel like, Having to become a character is hard, especially when you have no starting point. They're like, oh, here's like, like you know, you brought up Daniel Day-Lewis and Lincoln. We could look at his books and stuff, but no one truly can really say this was what Lincoln was like, right? 100%. Mm -hmm. 
and he had to still bring his artistic stuff, like artistic side, in there and kind of take in the role. And that's why I would give it to Jackman, simply because Jackman, like he mentioned, all he had was some comic book, which comic books were partially accurate half the time. Like, you know, there's so many different eras of it. And you have a voice actor that you were going against, which to me is surprisingly difficult. Like, that's to me is like having, you know, having Hamill and then when Heath Ledger came around to do it. I'm sure that was probably, you know, people were like, okay, another Joker. Guy from Night's Tale. Yeah. And it's like, okay, but we love our, you know, we love our Mark Hamill. Like, he's our Joker kind of thing. <laughs> um, so that that's why I would give it to, just because simply, although you're right, he did, you know, he kind of could make the role, and he was kind of born for it, like you said, but he... Still had to. There, he, there's still things he had to do to get into the idea of becoming the Wolverine. Molding into it. So that's why I would give it to so, him. Okay, I was about to say. So basically, what you're saying is that George gets the point. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I, yeah, and I don't know because, geez, if you just threw Logan at me, I would be like, well, damn, that's that's the last film in the theater that made me cry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I kind of didn't want it to go for low blows, like. <laughs> But you brought up a really good, like, that's a really good one because he did put, you know, Franco did put in a lot of effort. Yeah. I mean, yeah. whether or not, like, he had him there or not, it's still a hard person to become because what? Tommy is insane. <laughs> well, so. well, I just, when I saw that in the theater, I was just like, oh my God, I'm watching Tommy that, so. Yeah, it's incredible that he still did that. Regard, regardless thing, I just felt like his job was a little bit more easier instead of having to be like, okay, uh, like if Tommy wasn't involved at all, you'd have probably a better fight there because then Franco still being as good as he is, having to become Tommy without him being there at all, mm-hmm. well, that would be crazy. Well, then they could, though, I mean, like, how much are you taking from him and how much are you, you know, you know, improvising and doing something that's less like what Tommy would be doing? Yeah. Whereas a lot more people are more appreciative and know that you're probably going to represent them better if you're on the set. Yeah. But uh, I just feel like Zach Charles also didn't get enough credit when it came out. Yeah, yeah. I thought that he should have been up for an Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> he was up for Best Director at one point. <laughs> well, that was n- number five. <laughs> and George, if you get the next one right... Well, no. <laughs> we're gonna have to go to the, the tiebreaker. But yeah, but you the thing is, George, you're very doubting yourself, but you were throwing in some extremely good arguments that ice even doesn't even come to my head and stuff well, that I didn't think you would bring I do up. know that there's like with um, you know, disaster movies basically it's a movie that's a documentary. Basically. Yeah. Like I know there's also like actual documentaries of you know Hugh Jackman and what he did in Wolverine as being the character Wolverine. Yeah, and there's lots of different like hard piece and piecemeal things of like how he did what he did to become that role and things that he developed that basically changed a even a little bit of how we think of Wolverine. So. Yeah, and if you would have done Lincoln, you might have got that point. Because <laughs> all I have to say is, look at the poster. <laughs> I mean, yeah, very much. <laughs> 
Look at that. I, I threw in the easy win, and I went for one that I felt like I actually was a bit more passionate about. <laughs> That's fair. You should definitely go with every time. You should, you should go with the more one that you feel like. Like, you know, you should go with one, which I can't say much. I sold out. I went with uh, Freddy Krueger last time around, so... <laughs> That's that's completely fair, I guess. Um, but that that was. Uh, I just thought of Jackman was the first thing I thought of. But. Yeah, yeah, that was number five, and I guess we're about to head on to number six. Okay, so we are on to our sixth and final question, and this one is another one that is very close to my heart because. I am a fan of Disney and Pixar films. Bow down Huge to fan. Disney. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I mean, look at the bucket that's right in front of us. <laughs> well, you guys can't see. It's Toy Story 4 bucket. They're full of popcorn. Already, uh, already to our overlords. And Hail Mickey. So we, uh, I decided to go with something that's actually, I felt like was a really difficult question. That we might piss off the overlord? Yeah, that... <laughs> That we might be, we might just be dead after this. Actually, if you don't see uh, us after this, yeah, we've been well, playing technical difficulties, and then blame Disney. Oh boy! So <laughs> the we we decided. I just well, I decided that <laughs> uh, to go with the most overrated Disney Pixar film of all time. Underrated, yeah. Well, we we just came to consensus with uh, Notre Dame. Notre Dame, which. You know, objectively, it probably is. Um, but overrated films, like, most of those films are beloved. Like... At least by somebody. Yeah, like, they... <laughs> for the most part, if you're a fan of Disney Pixar films, like, like you're a fan of all of them, and it's, it's hard... I mean, you can look at some of them and say, okay, this one's better than the other, but it's... I feel like it's pretty hard to pick one that's overrated to the point where people are like... Love it, but you're like, well, I don't really see the hype in this. So. You mostly only know when they the, remake it in live action. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I th are we staying away from the live action ones? And just going like the, the normal animations here? Yes, actually. Okay, yes. cool. That, that way it's a little harder because, yeah, you can say like, you know, I mean, I already know how Ian feels about that. <laughs> what, Dumbo? Uh, all, no, of not, <laughs> all of them. That's actually the farther one from the totem ball. Yeah, actually, his is a like, <clears throat> so, uh, Mr. Galiloco, today uh, we're starting with you on this one. Uh-huh. Uh, as you said, Damon, this actually is kind of more of a trickier one. Uh, I mean, you did mention, you know, from a point of view of some, not like that this whole thing is it based on our own point of view and how we feel about one. Uh, so for this, I wanted to kind of focus on one that had a bit more of a more, you know, the good vibe and stuff from overall things. Yeah. But I just look at it on a level and I'm like, why? That's myself and... that every day. <laughs> <laughs> and the one that I wanted to go with is Cars. The first one. Okay. Uh, mostly because up until this point, Disney had been making films that, you know, had us connected characters and stuff that became beloved icons and stuff like Woody, Buzz, uh, you have all the emotions from Inside Out, uh, you had the Incredibles even at one point. But they all had a feature that made us feel like that you could relate to them in like a human kind of sense. Cars is talking cars! 
And unless you have some kind of... I mentioned the elephant in the room. Fixation with cars, like, you know, making them and something. Hopefully not making love to them. Uh, actually, dude, <laughs> weird parts of the internet, my dude. Yeah. I mean, this is, you know... My strange addiction, you know. Uh, but... I like the mufflers. <laughs> but why I decided to go with this is because then, like I said, I had to do some research into this question. And this is why I chose it, because it currently on IMDb has a 7.1 audience score out of 10, 75% Rotten Tomatoes, average critical 6.9 out of 10, 3.5 out of 5 from audience. On Metacritic, it's at 73%, and this thing got two sequels. How do you make two sequels of cars talking and racing in a circle? Before you make Incredibles 2 and other stuff like to then later come Toy Story. Budget cuts? Um, <laughs> and I, again, it's just hard to connect to characters that are just talking cars and with it being such a very benign and simple story that we've just heard over and over again and it's tiresome. So cars, that's my most overrated. <laughs> okay. Not a bad one, actually. I, I, I can agree with all the points you're making, but now we get to hear George's. I, I don't think I'm going that far sideways on this one. Um, I honestly want to say it just because I don't think it's going to have that much of a longevity to it. And I don't want to say it's uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet. The first one? No, that's the second Ralph one. Ralph Breaks the Internet. Uh, so the second one. Yeah. Okay. And I'm going to... Pull up the statistics here. <clears throat> like, it itself is like 7.1 on IMBD or DB. I'm dyslexic. 88% on Rotten Tomatoes and like 4 out of 5 on Common Sense. And 90% of Google users seem to also like this movie. But what's its longevity in this? What's its sustainability here? Like, even the plot and whatnot is a little bit weak in it. And I my feelings on it. It's not bad. It's good, but it has no, like... I don't know. It, it feels like a Captain Kirk special here. It, <laughs> it, it's got its one oomph to it, and there's nothing else left. Okay. And you got any? Uh, yeah, I think I have a few. Uh... Yeah, it's true that, uh, like you kind of pointed out, like, uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet may have a fit m bit more higher standards, and it's like, um, does it really live up to that? Uh, however, I'm still going to say, even though I wasn't as big of a fan of Ralph Breaks the Internet than some that I know, there's at least a moment or two where characters are interacting and something happens that I at least felt something. I literally felt nothing when I watched Cars because I'm like, why do I care about Cars? All they're doing is basically having this guy, sorry, not even a guy, <laughs> a machine that I actually would trust Christy more with my life uh, to just learn, oh, I have to go back to my roots. Well, I think the thing with Cars that I can actually argue for here is it's mainly for little kids. It's like for five-year-olds and merchandising it got sequels and stuff for the most part because it sold so well for like christmas gifts and 
for like, you know, having little toy cars that you can physically play with easily and have your own little adventures with. Whereas Ralph Breaks Internet, you just get memes. And memes may be dreams, but they don't, you know, have long sustainability. Well, but I think that to some of us that have also been growing up and watching these films throughout the years is you could make the argument for both. But I would say that it's more of a thing for cars is that we do see it everywhere and that it has played, I was use this word plagued <laughs> this part because of how much we see it and how much it was gathering. Yes, it can be for little kids, but then it has stuff that is made for adults, like, adult like all jokes. Disney movies. But I, and, I, and I feel like that Ralph breaks the internet while it's doing that, it's at least appealing to a little bit more of the adult. That written there. It might I don't. I, I don't think. I don't think that Cars is doing that, even though it knows it has to appeal to that audience. Yeah, Cars was like a stake, like directly into the hearts of children. <laughs> There's an image for you. Um, and well, I'm sure it's not an image that David has not had. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he has it at least once a day. And then Ralph is more of a shotgun. Not to children, but... (laughs) (laughs) But, There um, goes the money. (laughs) The thing with Ralph is it's things that kind of undo itself. It has some negative continuality to it. It's like things that it develops and established. Things were already established in the first movie, and in the second movie, it also then undoes it. With it being that it's the sequel. It, It, as popular as it was, it's not quite is standing on its own legs. It almost want to say with like if we're gonna go with like to another movie franchise like the Toy Story 2, mm-hmm. it had some nice new characters, but it's kind of like runs with the same plot, just role reversal. And I almost want to say I could even go further into this with the, the Pixar curse of the Tude. You can go with Incredibles 2. I like the movie. I quite love the movie. But it's still it's just reversing the role. Well, I think, though, that you even have a standard that can be tried to hit on that first one. Whereas I feel like, yeah, you could also say that of the three, Cars 2 is probably the worst. However, we wouldn't have gotten Cars 2 if Cars, the first one, didn't make as much money, wasn't as a hit with some critics and stuff, and the merchandising was everywhere. I, you know, with Ralph Breaks the Internet, you at least had Wreck-It Ralph, that was a critically loved film, made money. They just didn't put as much effort as you maybe want to say, even though I feel like, again, I at least connected to something in it. I did not connect to one thing in this. In fact, I felt like it was other stuff that people could have just connected with it. It's just not me. But again, they're try- they should be trying to appeal to as much demographic as they try to, whereas they didn't in this. I, I'm going to, to a, a little bit of a stake point here, towards you, Ian, here. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you like NASCAR? <coughs> there. It, it, the movie really isn't for you. No. But based on what I've seen of multiple people saying, that could they be NASCAR fans? We don't know. I don't know. They're not here. But That's for the viewers to decide. Well, and up to our Yeah, leave in the comments. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if there is a comment section on this. Of course there is. 
There's going to be a comment section somewhere. There's going to be some forum where people are just angry at it's us. It's going to be real life. How dare you dislike cars? So, listening to both your arguments and trying to decide, uh, we're going, you know, within. I, like I know what this Looking at both of these, I agree with both your points, for sure, mm -hmm. because you bring up good points about cars, and you also bring up very good points about like Ralph, because uh -huh. Ralph yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, just a little paraphrasing. So, I, I had to get it right. <laughs> uh, with with you know with the second Ralph, like yeah, it doesn't really add anything. It just kind of is a film. They they bring in like new characters and stuff in the second film. But instead of like having them add something, they gloss over them completely. Yeah. And the, th the the only issue that I find with it being, you know, as far as overrated, people like it, but there was I don't think there's anybody that's like a goring over it. Like they're not like, oh my god, like Rap Breaks the Internet is like the best thing ever. Whereas I see that with cars, and that's when he brought up the point with that is there's a large demographic for cars. Mostly children, yes. And you brought that up with the whole children thing. But there, there is, you know, having a movie like that and having it so beloved by people. Because I, I, know, I know a lot of the fans and, you know, there is a large children demographic, but there also is a large adult thing that just think it's just the most adorable, cute film ever and they love it to death. I think it's like the best thing ever. And that was a good point with Ian. I believe, because, you know, he brought in, whereas Ralph Breaks the Internet, again, it has the same kind of sort of things, but it's just kind of like, okay, you know, people like Wreck-It Ralph, he's a good character, whereas Cars, to me, is people really, like, when I think of overrated, having a movie about Cars that is, like, so beloved, like, that people really love it, I feel like that fits more in the overrated bracket compared to Ralph Breaks the Internet. That's why I would highly have to give it to Ian on this one. Simply because I feel like that, from the points he brought up, I feel like that it kind of sinks it more into the overrated bracket for me. So so that would be the final would be Ian on that one. Honestly, for like those type of racing movies, I think what's underrated, which does it better than Cars, would be Turbo. I yes. think Turbo did it a much better than Cars could have. Yeah, yeah. I never saw Turbo. You ever seen Turbo? Quite I, good. I, I saw the trailer and I was just kind of like, uh. That's that's one of those ones though that it did what it did correctly. Did it, didn't it become a Netflix series? It yeah, did. it had an Netflix series. Has an animated series. Now. Yeah, the sale was even like uh, voice acted by uh, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. 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 I actually I really liked Turbo when I watched it and. I spelled the same thing about cars, and that, that's the only reason why I really, you know, gave it to cars was when you brought up the points of it being, you know, yeah, people love it, but like... It's like people, a cardboard facade, really. People really love it. Like, people mm -hmm. generally think, hey, this film's good, and it's like you're just sitting in the back, and I'm like, uh... And, and to the standard that Pixar and Disney has said, is this really what we want to put yeah. out? And yeah. Well, like I said, when it more, when it more looks too overrated... I, when I think about films, e like... Easily, I would say that Cars 2 is probably one of the worst. Yeah, and again, ever. very overrated, like, because... They even have, like, what, a movie that's called Planes or something. In the yeah, same a spinoff that had a sequel. Yeah. Yeah. Just, and it's it, like... No offense against, like, Lightning McQueen. It, it's very, oh, like, 
cardboard-esque personality, whereas, like, going back to Turbo, that at least had, like, a personality that developed and became more of, you know, something bigger. Yeah. Well, see, for me, Planes definitely, uh, like, it shifted off. But the thing about Planes <laughs> is, no, like, I don't think as many people cared about that. Like, they saw that no. and they were like, they clearly knew what it was. Like, that, that to me should have came out on, like, Cars 3, the DVD. Like, it's a short film. Yeah. That would have been as better. Like, instead, they were just milking it for all it had. And I honestly think it lost money, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think it did. Really? Uh, really? No, I don't think it really did that well. well yeah. yeah, okay. Because I was about to say, yeah, like, people loved the cars and they watched all of them. But, you know, that's that's a good point. And, yeah, honestly, like, um, if this would have came down to a tiebreaker, my, uh... Oh, hold on a sec. Okay. So... If we would have went into a tiebreaker, <laughs> I, I was shuffling a question around in my head because I was kind of worried, and I realized I made six questions instead of seven. And one thing popped in my head, and because I'm looking right at it, oh, <laughs> I would have went with what is the craziest Nicolas Cage film? Because we're staring at just about every single one of them. Vampires kiss. Vampire's Kiss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, that's... But, I was, but, but we already covered Vampire's yeah. Kiss. So I'm kind of glad we didn't go into a tiebreaker. Although, George, if you want to give your two cents on what you thought of Vampire's Kiss. A, B, C, D, E. <laughs> what you got to do? Wow, that's beautiful. Yeah. But... Looking at the tally and all the marks, we're uh, looking that Mr. Galiloco is actually our winner. Um, for After his I gave up the first point. Yeah, he, he, he <laughs> lost the first point by just throwing in the towel and managed to bring it back. And it was it was a good bring back, honestly. And I was... He, bring back? I don't think that's... <laughs> I don't think anyone's ever said that. Yeah, exactly. Bring back girls? My word. Is that Co- a thing? Come back? That broke back mountain. <laughs> <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> I'm going to finish what I was about to say. Anywho, he, he, he took the win with uh, his insightful retelling of how Cars is overrated and garbage. And then you brought up Ralph Breaks the Internet, which, good job, honestly, because that... Is actually could have been better. It's hard. To, it's a hard one to fight for. Trust me, I know. The last time I had, I was fighting with uh, the Last Jedi with two people who were fighting with the prequels, Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. Yeah. It's like, what well, you, you did go first on that one, right? Uh, yeah. On that question, the last yes. one. Yeah. Yeah. So he was coming in hot. It, was that going to be your initial pick? No, but it was up there, so I just scratched it off as soon as he said it. Because I had like three. I could have done. I, I honestly, Ian, if I would give you any complaint on that mm-hmm. one, I would have went with Cars 2. Simply because yeah, that was still very loved. And it I, was I, so I, bad. And it would have been a stronger I, argument I, for well, Cars 2. Well, but I, I don't feel like that I've heard that many positive things, though, for Cars oh, I have. 2. You know how much it sold? All the Mater toys where he's like has the uh, wings and stuff? Well, again, though, that's more toys and merchandising. I feel like I've heard way more bad things about Cars 2 than Cars 1. That's why I lean that way. No, no, you, you would have been no argument with Cars 2. I didn't. 
I wouldn't have any real counterpoints. I'd be like, well, for yeah. for overreaction. But I, I I understand where you're coming from on Cars One because there is a huge. Pe- pe- it also, would not have had Cars Two without Cars One. Honestly, if I probably would have said something crazy like overrated film and been like. Oh. I don't know, Bambi. Toy Story. <laughs> <laughs> I would have, I would have loved to hear those arguments. Yeah, Toy Story's bad because I gotta use a bathroom. <laughs> uh, yeah. So no, this was f- really fun. I I thought that I was definitely gonna be in the weeds when I threw in that first one. It's fun arguing. Uh, I th- I think that I just had to get over initial. George's initial just throw into chaos and then just kind of hone my mind into thinking, okay, what are my points on this and what, how can I steer this in my way? Well, curious question. What's it like not having to, uh, judge? Yeah. What's it like? Uh, I prefer doing this Yeah, because I can try to stick up for something more than hearing about why is this good and why is the other ones bad? Well, I mean, just not, it just hosting in general. And I don't, oh, well, hosting, I don't mind talking and stuff with people about films, but when I have to basically tell one of you that you are not sound enough in your argument, and this guy, even though maybe he didn't put as much into that, no, I have to go with him, because that was the thing that that struggled with why maybe the first one went down, is that uh, you and somebody else were making more, uh, you know, valid points for your thing, and trying to not dig on the other one. Yeah. But the other one would still dig into the problems that yours had, and you didn't really budge back on that. Yeah. So I, was I, like, was, I was wanting to see that, a little that's, bit more that's of that. Why, that's why I was like, you kind of got to do that a little bit. Yeah, I was wanting to see a little bit more back and forth between you two. But you guys, I think, did a pretty and decent job. No? No, we're just being diplomatic. Here. <laughs> yeah. I, I've, a lot more civil than the last one was. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to even shouting matches. I mean, and I felt, but I, but I also felt confident that George and I would just be perfectly calm and talk about this. We wouldn't. This I, I more, just, this I just, more I, like a discussion than anything. I, I, <laughs> I, I just hope that George is comfortable with this and possibly ever comes back to doing this. No, I don't mind. Yeah. I mean, like movies in general are kind of like outside my normal forte, but I can still like try and stand up on at least one leg. To be fair, we've had almost three-hour conversations, though, about films. Yeah, but, like, specific, like, films. Specific ones, yeah. yeah. Or, like, going into, like, specific, like, you know... I think my, like, actual genre is, like, either cartoons or, like, comics or, you know, anime. I feel like we will have you here for the, uh, the Marvel ones. I feel like that's uh, more you've seen. seen. I, I really haven't seen, like... I've only only seen like half the actual Marvel uni- current Marvel oh, canon okay. universe. Well, never mind then. <laughs> oh, no, that, that's fine. I, I still you know have synopsis and I have quite a bit of information on the like TV shows or like the comics themselves. But okay, it, it's just I have a different you know what is it? I, I have a different gun than what you guys would be bringing to the table. Well, because yeah. we, we would be bringing the, like, actual films yeah. more, and you'd be bringing in, like, the comics. Counterpoints and that stuff, the comics did, like, or, you know. Well, and, but it's like, well, yeah, maybe they did that in the comics, but they didn't do that in the film. Yeah. Like, a little more, so, a little more, uh, and maybe that, a different... And that's, and that's gonna be, like, like our, everybody wants Squirrel Girl. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. What, like... <laughs> Why we have? You know what? I can't get into this because <laughs> that's a different discussion entirely. But whereas that one that we're talking about is more of like 
a bracket of why does this movie against this movie move on? Yeah. Where that like might be a, that, that might be a little bit more hard. <laughs> I think George, we're, there's something that you would be good at. I just can't think of what it is. Oh, um, that's my life story. Yeah, the, we're good at something. Uh, the, Not sure what. There's some. I'm sure there's some it, part of the podcast that we can it, work you in. But like you mentioned, I still have TV shows and some animes that I've not watched. Yeah. Uh, like easily, like I've been like go- my movies that I go against. Like what I I threw like out of these six movies here, I threw what four at you that you haven't watched or seen. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's why I, you give different opinions. And how many of the ones that I said have you seen? All of them, I think. If I was in this, there would have been a lot more like name recognizable movies for sure. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, because you both of you have like similar like tastes in movies and like you know similar screening because you guys go to the movies all the time. Where yeah. I go to the last time I've been to the movies is like 2015. Oh my god. Like, well, most of the modern movies I've seen are on, like, Blu-ray, so I can watch it myself. Well, if, like, like how you said, like, that was, like, the last one you've been... He's, like, a bit higher than you, but <laughs> then there's me, like... Monsieur Commissaire. <laughs> but I have not been going that much he's right now. He's the aficionado. Uh, one person's been going a little bit more, and he's not here, so... Yeah, I'm, I'm in the back alley in a cardboard box with, like, a little, like, tin ha- can. However, again, like, with... Our thing with the rotten eggs, so especially if you've not seen the film, it's like I might have it and I want to do a talk about it. Here, borrow it. That's right? what I'll do. I can easily so, just like if you see, have that's the perfect. Good news. Or sometimes we just meet, we watch it, and then talk discuss it right it. after it. Yeah. So, I mean, either way, like we're uh, getting, you know, like I said, meat potatoes, meat potatoes. Yeah. If. If there's a way to basically have somebody check out the product, I will be like, okay, well, if I have it, this is the easiest way for you to check it out. Uh, but, no, I'm just, I was just mostly just like, I know that you've become comfortable with this. I was just like, please let George have fun and be comfortable here. <laughs> I feel, if I was on film, it'd be a lot different, but, you know. Because you don't want anybody to see your face. Yeah, I'm society a favor. <laughs> you have to put a paper bag on your face, man. Yeah, I'll be the, the uh... What is it, the Fantastic Bagman? Yeah. Yeah. Have two little holes cut out, give you some purple pants. I'd be perfect. Perfect, you know. Perfect. And it's almost also like, we also have two guys that have big beards, one person that barely has any facial hair. This is, this what? What? I rough. know you don't count it, but... I, I have random facial hair. Yeah. Like, but you also have the longest technical hair out of us, except for my hawk, which is decent. <laughs> uh, to me, it means, if you really want a good definition of George, um... He sort of looks like Christian Bell mixed with Matthew Broderick. Where they I, I think you were selling it, and then you took away. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like we have this pudding with, you know, mashed potatoes. What? <laughs> yeah, no, he, yeah, it's 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 not it's in a good way though. Uh, yeah, that that that's the I guess positive thing with this is that we don't have to care necessarily because we're not putting our looks out there. Yeah, we want exactly. people to appreciate us for our minds and our voice, even how oh, weird oh. we how weird our minds and voices might be. <laughs> well, that might be an issue. Uh, no, <laughs> but it still works out. So, so it matters in the end. Working out. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, second ever foul play over. Don't know when the next one will be because this is always the hardest one to try to schedule. Yeah. Uh, it's honestly probably one of the quicker ones, too. 
It, it, it is one of the quicker ones technically, however, it takes the longest to set up. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, we have to figure out who's hosting now, and what are the questions, who are the competitors, can they all meet at the same time? Are they going to claw each other's eyes out at the end of the session, you know? Yeah, which I try to make it clear that no, nothing is going to get over this. Uh, but yeah, no, I really enjoyed this pet fun. As long as everybody else has fun. I've got to pet a cat for three hours. I'm cool with this. I didn't have any fun. <laughs> Damon, come out of the darkness and have fun. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Yeah, that song was written about me. <laughs> uh, normally here, I would, towards the end, say, okay, so does anybody want to plug anything about themselves and what they're doing and where, where people can find you? However, <laughs> I'm looking at the two people that I know. <laughs> I don't know if they want to do that. Oh, under if a you rock. want to find us, you'll, we'll be or the bathroom. <laughs> In the toilet? Yes. <laughs> it's a merry-go-round, right? Yeah. But with water. Goes the opposite direction in Australia. <laughs> Speaking of Hugh Jackman. Hugh uh, Jackman, yeah. We're, uh... Uh, yeah. Yeah, maybe some parts we can try to figure out another type of discussion or something like that maybe yeah. if george wants maybe to join in for a rotten egg we might <laughs> cover a nicholas cage movie or all of them <laughs> <laughs> well we're, we're good my, my conflicting schedule is usually D D yeah. on saturdays normally yeah yeah if you uh if george wants to play anything um he is the dungeon master yeah he's the dungeon master so uh if you look up the dungeon master on facebook you what? might find him <laughs> what I don't, even, I don't even think my Facebook has, like, a modern picture. My, my Facebook picture's, like, no, the, from high no. school. It's like a 16-year-old me on, like, railroad tracks and crap. It's capital D and capital T. Uh, oh, no. Then type that into Google, see what happens. <laughs> capital D, letters. Zipper mouths. The gimp from Pulp Fiction. Anywho, Ian, back, I'm back sure to you, you Dame, something back, to to, back to you, Damon, if you want to. Huh? Or are you going to be the same? Well, I'll give you my answer that I give every time. No. <laughs> okay. As I figured. I mean, I'm sure you got something to plug in. Come on. Yeah, yeah he's shameless self-plug. Come on. <laughs> yeah, you can find me on Twitter at GaioLoco89. Facebook, Ian Novak. Please subscribe here. And if you also want to help out in support of this, you can also donate through this app and site. You can also please subscribe here for Spotify, Google Play, uh, iTunes podcasts, and just spread the word. Because if you like us talking about these and going crazy on poultries and stuff, please don't be hesitant and share. Uh, other than that, Hope you guys had fun. <laughs> of course, always do. And then I, my job was almost a success. <laughs> I never get to talk for like five hours straight. It's very interesting. But our work, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty sure you guys just talk three hours every day, Monday yeah. through Friday. It's just you know, mics strapped to you Shh, that you know of. Oh no! <laughs> I've recorded some weird things. <laughs> We're all going to jail after this. <laughs> Or are we going to hell? Oh, we're going. <laughs>
<laughs> I was born and they were like, He's born in the hellfire. <laughs> Speaking of Notre Dame. Uh, other than that, guys, have fun. Keep going to the movies. And hear us next time.